Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. But before we read together, let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. Good and gracious God, as we prepare to read your word, our prayer is that all that is our voice and voices would fall away, and that the only voice remaining would be yours that we would hear what you have us hear, that we would take it into our hearts, that we would act on it. God, we love you, and we like to listen to you. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our word today. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Come, choose some men for us to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. And so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the sun set. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the sword. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Imagine, if you will, you are planning a long camping adventure, the kind where you will carry everything with you in a backpack. And when you pack that, you you consider your trip. You choose the items that you think you will need, imagining how and when each item might be useful to you. And now you begin that journey, confident that you have all that you need, and you're out on the trail. You are well-rested. You are well-fed and you feel strong. But after a mile, or two, or ten, you come to the realization that your pack is quite heavy. What's worse, as you continue, it feels as though your pack is somehow getting heavier with each step. It's as though there are days and miles when it seems like you're not making any, making any progress at all. Surely, surely you should have arrived at camp by now, but it is nowhere in sight and that pack feels heavier and heavier. And in that time, in that moment, desperation sets in. It sets in and, and you wonder if like Like your backpack, you have taken on a heavier task than you knew, or worse, a heavier task than you alone will be able to accomplish. Yes, life life can be like that. It can feel like that. 
We begin with burdens that are light, but as we walk along our trails, it is as though we pick up experiences and memories, some indeed quite light, but some that are so, so heavy that it weighs us down. This life can feel like there are days and miles when not just our arms shake and our legs tremble, but our very hearts doubt, our very hopes flag. I think we are living in a time when we all, just like Moses, have reason to feel the weight of our own uplifted hands, trembling to stay aloft in prayer or pleading, legs aching as we desire to stay standing despite the weight of our brokenness and our finitude. It isn't clear in the text if Moses took Aaron and her up with him to the top of the hill, knowing, knowing the way in which they would be helpful. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't know the details and just figured that like most ventures, that it would be wise not to go alone. But either way, the text tells us that when Moses' hands were lifted, when they were up, that the Israelites would prevail. And that those outstretched hands to me, they are an image, an image of prayer, an image of maybe surrender of self, but an image of Moses trusting in a mysterious God who saves. And then, and then the weight of it sets in. Gravity, surely, but also the pull of life's weight, the challenges before them and behind them of Moses for all his greatness being human after all. And his hands would lower. And they would see that the Amalekites would begin to win and and desperation would set in. The realization that this invading force, this force that according to Deuteronomy attacked when they were faint and weary, cutting the Israelites off and killing everyone who lagged behind, the children, the elderly, the sick, the injured. Make, make no mistake, it was an attack that picked on the disenfranchised. Terence Freitheim, a theologian, he writes that Moses being up, up on that hill would have likely served the purpose of being visible to the Israelites during their battle. And so they would have looked and seen, seen his hands sinking. But they also, they also would have seen Aaron and her come to his side. They would see that they got something for Moses to sit on, to give him rest, and then stand with him on each side of him. They they hold up his arms. They keep his hands up in the air. Because sometimes when the enemy attacks, faith looks like stepping in to support. And so the Israelites, they looked and saw Moses, but they also, they also saw Aaron and her, and they saw, saw that no one leads alone. They saw that no one succeeds alone either, not Moses and, and not them either. This tribe, tribe wandering in the desert, this tribe of complainers who were more worriers than warriors, shown that in their weakness, their survival would depend not on their own strength, but in their trust in God and their ability 
their ability to support and fight for one another. That image, that image of Moses up there, it, it's a palpable image given recent events in our country. Because the central image of this story is that of one with raised hands in prayer or surrender of self while two people use their hands, their bodies to stand with and support. Whereas the central image in our country right now and for many people, the central image for longer than just the past few weeks is that of a person using his body to aggressively hold down someone else to the point of death. And that, that image to me is one where I see the Amalekites. I see an attack on the disenfranchised. I see those whose hands are up, whose hands have been up and that they are tired. They are tired from the weight of it. We, we are all tired from the weight of it. It's the weight of how we modify our behavior for the sake of one another, how we choose between types of survival. We've, we choose these days, right? We're, we're trying to balance physical health on the one hand and, and financial survival to pay for groceries, utilities, and housing on the other. It's the weight, the pure weight of systemic racism and the use or abuse of power and privilege that are once again clear and are once again ugly and demanding, demanding that we engage with it honestly and humbly and to take it upon each other to do something about it rather than, rather than point and blame or just shrug it off as someone else's responsibility when it is in fact something that we, each of us, bear. We are facing the terrible and truthful reality of who we are. But I hope, I hope that while that might be who we are today, that we are also facing the question both as a nation and as individuals of who we want to be tomorrow. Frederick Buechner writes, In the journey of faith, it is possible once in a while to be better than you are. I think this story of Moses tells of such a moment of faith. A moment when Moses and Aaron and her and indeed all of the Israelites, they were more than they themselves thought they could be. A moment when the tribe of Israel who had nothing to hope for but death at the hands of starvation or opportunistic marauders, somewhere, somewhere in there, God showed up and they found not just victory in that, but a life better than they knew it could be. They found it in a faith that holds up the arms of those who are tired and fatigued, a faith that both speaks and acts. It fights, it comes alongside, it supports, it's better than you think you can be. Now, now, my friends, just as then is not the time for empty, hollow faith. 
Just like then, this is not the time for posturing as a person of faith with no substance behind it. This is not the time to wave a Bible or any symbol of faith for that matter, as though that that means something substantive when we then take no actions to change ourselves or to change the systems that exist to repress the voices and the rights of the disenfranchised. Imagine, imagine if Aaron and Hur had stood there next to Moses, seeing his arms outstretched, to see his arms begin to tremble, perhaps to hear him tell them, I am getting tired. I'm getting tired with the weight of this. And as his arms began to lower, that they told Moses just to complain less or that his arms weren't really tired or that he just needed to try harder or that this was his own doing after all. No. No, when, when Aaron and her saw what was happening, they reached out for support. When they realized the importance, the significance, they reached out in support. So when we see the arms of a fellow child of God straining and trembling in this life, how can we do anything, anything, but use our resources or even our very selves to provide support? For Jesus tells us, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. A stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Might he have added, I was pinned down and you helped me up. When one is weak, we surround and we support with our strength because there is no substitute for actually reaching out to hold one another up. That is our faith. And in light of that, in light of that reality, there are just three things I want to take from this story that I hope, I hope, give you somewhere to go with that. First, there are a lot of things in life that wear us out. That is a reality. But what do you do and who do you surround yourself with when that happens? Are you constructive? Are you surrounding yourself with the kind of people who jump in with support and humility or... Are they more critical than constructive? When our arms get tired, we want and need to know that there are those who will come alongside us and hold us up. Find those people. Second, there will be times when we will see the burden of life weighing on someone else. Life has difficult moments for all of us, and we must be willing to reach out for the sake of someone else and hold them up under the weight of it. We must be willing to take the time and the the effort to step in, to be there, to bear that weight, to take the responsibility of recognizing each other's humanity and each other's dignity, rather than question the humanity or question the dignity. Third, it takes more than just a few leaders for change to happen. The work of justice And of loving one another takes vigilance and it takes all of us. Moses could have held his hands up all he wanted, but the Israelites still had to be down there fighting for their survival and their existence. And we are all in this for the sake of one another. And there are no exceptions to that. So I want to end by offering another image for you. When the weather is good, 
Meredith and I take our son Silas to a park near our house that has a bridge. And Silas loves that bridge. He loves to run across it. He, he loves to look at the geese and the ducks and the water on it. And one day, quite by accident, we happened to be out in the middle of that bridge when a group of runners ran across it. And as they did, we stood there and their feet pounding there on the bridge. It made sort of this booming echo and it shook the bridge. And Silas stood very still while that happened. And they passed by and the bridge stopped shaking. And he looked up at me and said, again? And he lit up. And we learned, we learned that day that if you jump in the middle of that bridge and land very hard, you can recreate that sound and you can recreate that shake and you can recreate that joy. And so we do this just about every time we're on the bridge now. And, and Silas is starting, starting to want to try it for himself, but you don't get the same effect when you're three and when you weigh not quite 30 pounds. It just isn't as satisfying, but what it is is frustrating for Silas. And so now our... Our tradition, our pattern, is that when he jumps, I jump. And I'm not sure whether or not he realizes it isn't him that's causing that satisfying boom and shake. But if I am honest, it is not me that causes it either. Because the joy and the delight 